0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast called Paranormal Exposed. This is the evidence-based podcast that looks into various paranormal occurrences that happen here in the United States. I'm your host, Michelle, and I am a skeptic by nature, but I do want to be a believer. I am both intrigued by the paranormal and really open to the possibilities of what might be out there. So join me every Wednesday as I dive into a different paranormal topic and I present to you what is real, what is not real, and what may just be in between. I'll present both the historical facts as well as the paranormal reports, and we will see where the two meet. So join me in exposing the paranormal. This week's episode I'm pretty excited about as it comes from the state I'm originally from, and is located in Vermilion, Ohio. And this is the story of the Gore Orphanage. Now for those of you familiar with the layout of this show, I wanted to say that I am going to be changing the order of the show today so it flows a little bit better. Usually I give you the history and then the hauntings, but today I'm going to be sharing the haunted tales first. So let's dive right in and get started. The story of the Gore Orphanage is a pretty heartbreaking tale. In the early 1900s, this orphanage was put in place for young children to have a safe place to live when they had no other family to turn to. Though, unfortunately for these children, the Gore Orphanage was not that safe place. The children were treated awfully. There was abuse and starvation very common and the orphanage was run by a man referred to as Old Man Swift. He lived on the grounds of the orphanage in his mansion, appropriately named Swift Mansion. He was quite a cruel, cruel man with the children, and would often beat them. Sadly for some of these children, he went so far and they were beaten so badly that they didn't end up surviving. When this happened, the children were not buried as this horrible man did not feel that the children's lives mattered. But he also couldn't have dead children just laying around, so to get rid of the evidence of their death, he would use the fireplace to burn the bodies of the dead children. One night, Old Man Swift was fed up with the whining and having to deal with the children. He just didn't want to put up with it anymore. So what he did is he went up to the children's rooms and locked them in their rooms and set fire to the entire orphanage. The children eventually started to wake up, and when they smelled the smoke and saw the flames, they all started to panic and attempted to flee the burning building. But by the time they had woken up, the flames were engulfing the house. Also, not only were they on the second floor, but they were locked in their rooms and had no way to escape. In the meantime, concerned citizens had started to arrive, as well as the firefighters. But There was nothing they could do. They had to just stand there while they could hear the piercing screams of the children inside the burning building. Eventually, over time, The screams subsided, and all that could be heard was the roar of the fire and the creaking and crashing of the structures as they fell in on themselves. By the next morning, all that was left of the orphanage was the rubble, ashes, and embers from the fire. Over 100 children perished in the fire at Gore Orphanage, as well as one of the female caretakers. During the fire, Swift's mansion was also lost as well. Due to the nature of this horrific, horrific setting, many haunted reports are said to be going on at the Gore Orphanage site as well as the Swift Mansion. Apparitions of children running around the property can many times be seen, and usually when they're seen, they're running, screaming, and crying. Sometimes the children are even seen on fire and you can smell their burnt flesh. It is said that in the area, there are many instances where people also experience residual haunted events, which unlike apparitions, a residual haunting is when an event is so emotional it leaves an imprint on the physical world, replaying itself over and over again Like a repeating movie this leads to people hearing seeing and even smelling the events from that infamous fire also in addition to the associations with the fire is people will spot balls of light orbs and even mists after exploring the property visitors will many times return to their cars only to find that the fingerprints of children are on their vehicle. Throughout the grounds, there is a dark, shadowy shape that is sometimes spotted, and it is believed that this shape is the spirit of the person who set the fire. And as you will learn as I get into the history, is this was not the first fire experienced by the owner of the orphanage. People have also claimed to hear the footsteps on what is left of the front porch of one of the buildings of the orphanage and even hear the sounds of children singing nursery rhymes. In the winter, you can sometimes see little bloody footprints in the snow and also hear and see children on the nearby bridge that you have to cross to get to the Gore Orphanage. Many times these apparitions are seen at night And when the children are seen, they're usually dressed in period clothing, but as soon as you cross the bridge to get near them, they disappear. If you do park on the side of the road, turn off your car, and flick your headlights on and off three times, you will often hear the screams of the children as they passed away. A lot to take in for the haunted reports on this one, and there is so much activity in haunted reports here that it is actually touted as the most haunted location in Ohio, even if it's not the most famous. Luckily for you ghosty lovers, you can visit the site of the Gore Orphanage located on Gore Orphanage Road, so pretty easy to remember, right? It is located at 8365 Gore Orphanage Road in Vermilion, Ohio. The site is currently owned by the county government in Lorain, Ohio, and anyone can visit. You just have to exit the park before dark and, you know, be respectful of the people living in the area. If you want to visit, you should be wearing your hiking shoes and be ready for a pretty creepy experience. You have to travel down a narrow one-way road and cross over a haunted bridge. After you drive through the park, you will have to exit your vehicle and hike onto the property. You might wonder, how will I know when I get out? Well, you cannot question this as you will actually come to a gate blocking you from continuing by car. And This was done as the road has been collapsing and falling into the river below. So it's unsafe by car, but plenty safe enough for you coming in on foot. Once you hike in, you will be able to see what's left of Swift's mansion, the orphanage, and even some gravestones. But you can't hike much further than that because you will see that it leads to someone's private property and visitors are not welcome there. So now you know the story of the property's terrible past, its haunted reports, how you can visit. That's it, right? Well, no, we can't leave an episode without covering the facts of the story, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by covering the story of the Swift Mansion as it does eventually become part of the story of the Gore Orphanage. This story starts in the year 1817 when a man named Joseph Swift bought 400 acres in Vermilion, Ohio. He had cleared a big portion of the wooded area and eventually was able to begin construction on his home. The Swift Mansion was completed in the year 1842 and cost about $15,000, which is today about 500000 U.S. dollars. When completed, this gorgeous mansion was quite magnificent, especially in this area. It featured 15-foot ceilings throughout the home. There was 14 bedrooms, servants' quarters, etc., etc. And it was pretty recognizable as it had a huge outside veranda with large Greek pillars on the front of the house. Joseph Swift, his wife, and their two children are said to have occupied the home. Though in 1831, Joseph Swift's daughter, Tryphenia, actually died at the age of five. And in 1841, his son Herman died at the age of 24, so neither one of the children would actually have lived in the Swift Mansion as they died before it was completed in 1842. The family didn't have much luck as not only did they lose both of their children, but due to financial planning issues, the family was actually forced to sell the house. And in 1865, the home was purchased by a man named Nicholas Wilbur. Nicholas, his wife, their son, their daughter-in-law, and their four grandchildren enjoyed the sprawling mansion. But they weren't really your typical girl-next-door family. They were very spiritualist people who regularly held seances in the home. Here, they were said to communicate with many spirits over the years they lived here, which maybe has led to some of what happened in the home later in this story. Things went really well for the family for many, many years until the year 1893 when the Black Diphtheria Plague struck the area. It ended up taking the lives of all four of the Wilbur grandchildren, and after their deaths, they were buried on site of the home along the river. So could it also be these children that are haunting the grounds of the Gore Orphanage? The parents and grandparents were, of course, horribly grief-stricken, and it seemed to break Mrs. Wilbur especially. She continued to live in the home as if her grandchildren were still alive. She would tuck them into bed at night, kiss the air, telling them she loved them. She even made them full meals, would plate the food, and set it on the table, telling them to make sure they cleared their plates. But, while this sounds weird to us, I mean, she was a spiritualist, so maybe she actually could see and talk to her children, even in their death, and maybe she could even feel them. Well, this all sounds pretty creepy, right? But now it's time for me to poke holes in this story, as that's what I do, sorry. I kind of just let all the fun out of the air, right? (laughs) The legend of all four kids dying of diphtheria is 100% true, but they were not living in the Swift Mansion at the time this happened. By the time of their deaths, the four children and their parents had moved and were living on a farm in Berlin Heights, Ohio. The children also were not buried on site. Their graves are actually located in the Maple Grove Cemetery in Vermilion, Ohio, which also leads me to believe that the tales of Mrs. Wilbur serving dinner to her deceased grandkids is probably a legend. She was a spiritualist, which does lead the rumors coming pretty easily, though I can't say for sure she didn't communicate with the children in house seances and things like that. Though these children may not be haunting here, their grandparents very well could be. As in 1899, Nicholas Wilbur's wife passed away in the home, and in 1901, Nicholas Wilbur himself died in the home, which then left the home abandoned, though maybe not by their spirits. After the house was left vacant, it eventually became part of the Gore Orphanage. And the story of the Gore Orphanage and the surrounding area is of course full of haunted tales, some of which you have already heard. And the true tales are quite haunting themselves, though not exactly as the legends state. This story dates back to the year 1902 after Swift Mansion had been vacant for about a year. That year, a man named Reverend Johann Sprunger and his wife Katarina came to the area And they had previously managed an orphanage in Indiana and many other businesses in Indiana, but all of them actually caught fire and burned to the ground, which is why they came to the area of Swift's Hollow in Ohio. The couple purchased over 500 acres so they could establish a new orphanage that could be self-sufficient with animals and crops on site. Included in this 500 acres was the Swift Mansion. So while the mansion is part of the property, it was never actually used as part of the orphanage. It was just left abandoned by the Sprungers. Also, Mr. Swift, as many people refer to him in the legend, Old Man Swift, did not actually have any connection with the orphanage at all, other than he used to live here and had the house built originally. So there's just a few details that were off in the original legend. The Springers were able to establish the Light of Hope Orphanage in 1903. And you might wonder why I call it the Light of Hope Orphanage and not the Gore Orphanage. Well, the orphanage was never actually called the Gore Orphanage, but it is located on what was known as Gore Road. But with time, the road eventually changed to the name Gore Orphanage Road, which led people to referring to the orphanage as Gore Orphanage. And since then, it is most well-known in history and legend as Gore Orphanage, so I decided to use the name Gore Orphanage to identify it versus its real name of Light and Hope. Also, as you will hear, Gore Orphanage is quite the fitting name for the orphanage versus Light and Hope. The orphanage itself consisted of four separate farms. Two of the farms housed the children, with one farm housing the boys and about half a mile away from there was the farm housing the girls. The orphanage was able to house up to 120 children at a time, and in 1906, the Sprungers added a nursery to that so they could take in very young babies. The children were provided a place to stay, but were expected to do chores on the farms to make sure things ran smoothly and so that they could learn a good work ethic for when they were able to leave the orphanage one day. Sounds like a normal orphanage from that time, right? Well, it does, but some pretty vicious rumors circulated through the nearby town about how the conditions were less than idyllic. This was town gossip, as well as reports from children who had run away and stated that they were terrified to go back. It is said that the children's living quarters were absolutely filthy. They were running rampant with rats and insects that would even crawl into the children's beds and bite them. There was only one bathtub for the over 100 children, so the conditions were horrible. And in addition to that, they didn't even have warm enough bedding for the winter months in Ohio, which are horribly cold. The children reported that they would be beaten with a strap until they had deep welts on their bodies. And they would be beaten by farm workers overseeing the children as well as by Reverend Springer himself. They would be forced to work all day and were even loaned out to neighboring farms to work. It is said that the food was served from livestock that had been sick or would be served only the parts of the livestock other people would not want, such as the head. Because of these rumored conditions, an investigation into the orphanage began in the year 1909, and horribly, the reported conditions were found to be absolutely true and even verified by Springer himself. So you might think, what did the state do? They got them to clean it up, or they shut them down, help the children, right? No. At this time, the state of Ohio did not have any regulations governing the operations of places like the Light of Hope Orphanage. So nothing was done to fix any of the issues. In September of 1911, Reverend Springer ended up passing away at the property. His wife and others tried to keep things going after his death, but it was really tough, and as the years went on, the debt began piling up until the year 1916 when they could no longer afford to keep it running, and the facility was finally closed. The children had to be placed elsewhere, and some children were able to be placed with guardians or extended family, and some went to stay and foster families in the local community. Though not all of the children could be placed, and those children who could not be placed actually stayed with Katarina Springer and went to live with her in Indiana. Katarina then had her husband's body relocated to a grave in Indiana when she moved there, and she lived in Indiana till she died in 1953 and was buried alongside her husband. Mrs. Springer sold the land to someone named Pelham Blossom, who leased the property out to farmers till she eventually sold it back to the county government. And as you can see from this story, the legend of the abuse of the property was very real, but the tragedy with the fire never actually happened here. There was a school about 40 miles away from here that did burn down where 176 people died in the fire, and it's believed that this true story actually became woven in with the history of Gore Orphanage and over the years kind of just snowballed into what it is now known today though fire did play a hand in the history of the property. Since the Swift Mansion was abandoned, teens were known to visit and vandalize the property. There were those who would dare to enter the property or even touch the door as a rite of passage, though many teens just wanted a spooky place to drink and party, which eventually led to a fire breaking out. And in the year 1923, the entire mansion burned down. Luckily, no one was injured, but all that's left of the Swift Mansion is the columns and the foundation. There are two buildings at the orphanage which did burn down, but no one was injured during either fire. And over the years, most of the buildings at Gore Orphanage have been burnt down or torn down to make room for people being able to build farms, houses, and other structures. So definitely a lot of difference between the legend and what actually happened at the Gore Orphanage. There were a few deaths, such as Mr. Springer, who actually died at the orphanage, things like that. He could maybe account for the dark, shadowy presence, things like that. But I don't know where the presence of the children, the bloody footprints, all of this is coming from. One thing I did read is people who reported hearing screaming, crying, moaning, things like that, is there is a lot of traffic from a highway that is not far from where the property is. And many people report that some of the sounds from kind of how it echoes do sound like moans, crying and screaming, even if you know what you're hearing. So maybe people are hearing this, add to the fact that this is a dark, creepy place if you do stay after night, even if you are not supposed to. And many of the reports such as turning the headlights on three times and you'll hear the crying of the children. I did see some other things like the legend, the hook that were reported near the bridge, things like that. Just a lot of urban legends associated with this. I think it's just teens who kind of have heard the legend try to scare each other and it leads to stories like this. But regardless, I would definitely like to check out the Gore Orphanage. It's not too, too far from where my family currently lives, maybe about half an hour or so. So next time I go to visit them, I definitely want to check this out. I actually had never heard this legend growing up, and I lived in Cleveland, Ohio. So it kind of did surprise me, and I'm very excited to check it out and see if maybe I can see if it is haunted or not regardless, I would love to hear your thoughts on whether you think the Gore Orphanage and Swift Mansion are haunted or not. Maybe you've had a personal experience, proof, other facts you'd like to share. I'd also love to hear your feedback on this episode and any suggestions you may have for a future episode. Make sure you tune in every Wednesday, wherever you tune in, and don't forget to leave a review and follow this podcast so you know as soon as a new episode is ready. You can also follow the podcast social media for more information on each episode, including pictures, links, and much, much more. You can follow on Facebook at Paranormal Exposed, on Instagram at The Paranormal Truth, or you can shoot an email to Paranormal Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next Wednesday.